And he was like, at some point it becomes more about storing information than developing thoughts. Welcome to the Productivity Lab, the podcast where we put the tips, tricks, and methods of getting stepped into the test. I'm your host, Kyle. And I'm Mark. And today we're talking about what I think everybody's talking about now. I feel like that every Productivity podcast I listen to has been talking about this method in some form <laughs> or the other. That is Zettelkasten, uh, which is German for, uh, let me get if I get this right, slip box. Yes. But before we get to our slip boxes, let's talk about what we've been up to. How have you been doing, Mark? I've been doing pretty good, getting a good clip of work done, finished the third revision of my short story Waited, and I'm trying not to hate it. Um, <laughs> I've been, <laughs> it's when you, when you're, when you're writing and you're doing revisions and then you read over it, I'm like, well, you should have seen the, 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 ah, yeah, you read the first revision, the fir- first, yeah, I read the first, the first draft, draft and the third revision, third revision, I think. But um, and then you're reading other people's work, which is really good. And you, then you look at your own and you're like, what is this crap? Just throw mm-hmm. this in the slop jar. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so then also researching and writing book blurts, which is an mm-hmm. art in and of itself. <laughs> this sounds like saying that our our method that we're reviewing today might uh, take a part of. Yeah, very well. Uh, very well could be. So and then. Um, the last thing is I've been doing some researching for another uh, for essay that I've been wanting to write and haven't tackled uh, yet. So I've been and part of that research is reading comic books. Mm, that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, what, what, what comics are you reading? So this is the Marvel um pretty much known as the Phoenix Saga and Dark Phoenix Saga. So okay, this is yeah. the, the uh, uh classic X-Men issues 101 through 108, which is the Phoenix Saga, and then 129 through 138, which is the uh, second part Dark Phoenix Saga. I figured um, even though the animated series is pretty close, there's still changes in how things happen. And I wanted to actually go back to my first interaction with this storyline. And so the, the premise of this is is how I how that storyline um, shaped my view of stories that I gravitate to uh, characters and, and everything else uh, and how it was so shocking at that time and which is not now. And there's, there's a, there's a um, another story that it interfaces with um, that kind of revitalized that, that, storytelling for me personally and, and and getting into reading and stuff like that. So that's what this is about. So I'm reading back through the comic to and making notes to uh, understand this and then also doing other research on the story mm-hmm. structure and types and other things out uh, in the world. So that's kind of uh, tallies my whole research. So I got a research mm-hmm. document and Zettelkasten. Uh, that I'm building <laughs> for this. That's kind of been what I've been up to. It's been writing research and trying not to disparage myself in my writing. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I I feel like that the past two weeks have been like a, a good testament to my yearly theme so far, mm-hmm. the theme of finishing it. Yes. Uh, where I'm trying to finish more things I start. Uh, that includes anything from video games I start, because I'm really bad at finishing video games, to books, which I'm actually pretty good at finishing books, to projects as well. And over the past couple of days, well, first of all, I'm I'm uh, delving back into Python again. I really do enjoy learning programming, and I I kind of took a break from it during the uh, during the first half of 20, or during the I guess the middle portion of 2020. Uh, because it just got too stressful learning, so I knew while the world felt like it was on fire. So I went to writing instead, which I did not regret doing. But I've gone back into learning Python. I've been using this website called uh, Code Wars, which gives you like kind of daily coding challenges you just kind of work on to uh, keep your knowledge stable or learn new things. And on Code Wars, each challenge is called a kata, 
And I, I'm currently subscribed to the the foundations, the fundamentals uh, challenge list. So it's like usually things aren't too long to finish, usually more than like half an hour typically. Uh, but there was one that came up recently that was considered foundational. And I could see why it's considered foundational. But it's like foundational if you already had the foundations down <laughs> is what it was. And I got stuck in this problem for three days straight. I just was banging my head against the wall because I didn't understand how to use different kinds of data structures in Python. And uh, the thing is like, the, the I'll, I'll link to the to the uh, challenge, the guitar, and the show notes, or I guess Mark will since he's editing this episode. Uh, but uh, the thing is like, it give you a list of numbers and it says to find the first two numbers in the sequence that add up to a given number. And uh, which is easy. It's actually a pretty simple program to work on. However, uh, it really tested my knowledge and whenever it gave me a 10 million IM list to work with, which caused all my programs to have a timeout error where just like it, it exceed the maximum time for computation on the uh, Code Wars servers. And I got, I got stuck just trying to figure out how to optimize this whole thing all week. And I think if it wasn't for this theme of finishing it, I probably would just put the problem aside and just go like, okay, whatever. But I was like, no, I'm determined. I'm going to finish this thing. I'm going to learn a lot. And I learned a lot from in those three days of, of working on this. I learned how to optimize this kind of uh, uh, programming. I learned about this word that I never heard before called memoization. It sounds like you're saying memorization and baby speak. That's memoization. Yes. But yeah, I've been busy working on that. I finished it yesterday on Friday, which was great. Great, we just start off the weekend. <laughs> and I also uh, made crazy big progress on my uh, Navilla writing challenge I'm doing this month. 31,000 words uh, completed by the end of the month. And I made major headway yesterday. I was kind of, I was like dragging behind all month. Uh, but yesterday I had this scene in mind that I just had to write and I knew the only way to write it was to continuously write it. So I wrote 3,869 words in one day, which is about three hours or so of writing nice. nonstop. Uh, yeah, it was great. And I actually didn't even finish the scene. So <laughs> I got, I'm going to finish it today out of this podcast. But I've been busy with that. And I guess to fulfill that, that thing of finishing it, I also finished my third book in a series I was reading this month called uh, The Born Series by Jeff Vandermeer. Uh, if you like Annihilation, uh, he's the same author did Annihilation and the Southern Reach trilogy, which is one of my all-time favorite book series of all time. Uh, he writes what's considered weird fiction, which is fiction that kind of like purposely doesn't make any sense, but like he like he's it's purposely obtuse in what it tells you. Uh, Annihilation is very weird. Uh, it's kind of I guess David Lynchian is like probably one of the more famous weird artists out there where the artist kind of knows like what's up, but they won't tell you everything that's up. And they usually have a bunch of surrealism in it. So I finished reading the final or the most recent book in the series uh, called Dead Astronauts, which I just think is a great name, Dead Astronauts. And just finished that this morning before we started recording. And yeah, it's been a lot of finishing things lately. It's been great. That's awesome. That is yeah. the way to go. Also, uh, forgot to mention, I've also been doing editing certification. Oh. Um, as well. So watch your dangling modifiers. <laughs> uh, there's another thing I've already mentioned too. I may mention it last time. I can't remember, but, uh, Charlie and I are bringing back everyday superhumans for another 10 episode season. Yay. So everyday superhumans is coming back. We just had our, we did our first interview for the season, uh, completed, I think two weeks ago. And we typically don't start releasing until we have at least a backlog of three episodes or two episodes. So we'll probably start releasing, I'm guessing, mid-February mid to mid-March is my guess. Then we'll usually release a two-week period at a time. So every two weeks, just like this podcast, uh, the plan is just to release 10 episodes. And then we always, we realized that we had this, we had this uh, trend yeah. of uh, after 10 episodes we tend to get burned out for a bit and we take a break uh, like subconsciously we just, t- just take a break <laughs> so we decided that we're gonna hard set a deadline for 10 or a goal of 10 episodes no more no less so that we aren't too pressured 
and then take a break and then come back for another season after that. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you found your cadence that works yep. for both of you. Um, Just took four years of producing this podcast to figure <laughs> out with a two year break at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Though I'm excited to hear, um, like I said, I've, I've been a fan of, of that show. So, and it helps me help me learn a lot about Austin, different businesses, nonprofit businesses. Yeah. If you're an Austinite trying to get involved in your community, uh, we're a great resource. You speak to the people, uh, usually the leaders in these, these organizations, uh, if not the leaders and the representatives of these organizations about what they do, how they do it, how you get involved. Even like like uh, the best ways to get involved if you don't want to spend too much time like where to donate. Uh, yeah, that's our goal. We're we both love the city, and we want to share the love of the city with people that love the city. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, I think it's time to move on to our topic for today. Uh, the topic of Zettelkasten, which I, as you heard earlier, I did look up what it meant, which is embarrassing for somebody like me who took German in high school. I don't even know what Zettelkasten means. But that, yeah, you <laughs> should be embarrassed. About. You should yeah. be. So, Zellicaston, as how uh, uh, within the scope I've been using it, I know Mark has also read a few articles on this, is a an older note taking method, I guess, mm-hmm. that uses uh, index card size notes, where you where you have a note, either an idea or it's mostly used for like nonfiction writing, uh, which would be like a note from a book or an article you read. You have an idea, you write down on a note card, and you give it a unique ID. And the idea is that you could connect these cards together and kind of like have like a scatter focus in your notes. And as as you're going through your notes, you could assign each of them tags to different things as well to like show how they connect. And as you're going through your notes, you can kind of start piecing things together, rearrange them if you want to talk about different things in different orders and see like which way it works. So on and so forth. It's in my mind. It feels like this has gone a recent resurgence, uh, mostly because I'm a part of the Cortex Productivity Podcast circles, and uh, the host Gray on Cortex and the episode Atomic Notes, which is a fairly recent episode, <laughs> which is a very fascinating episode too. It talks about note taking system and like how it's not what you'd expect. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, Gray Gray talks about Zellicaston. And uh, more specifically, the program Obsidian, which we'll get into later this episode. And uh, he talks about like, like how that works for him. And then other podcasts I've listened to start talking about it too, because they all listen to Cortex. And it just kind of feels like it's getting like this mild resurgence. Uh, Amberly, my partner, uh, one of our coworkers, is a big fan of Zellicaston and Obsidian. So <laughs> just like, it just feels like it's like everywhere all at once in my life. This is a method. Uh, but before we get to that, I'd like to uh, ask you, Mark, how have you been implementing the method and how has it been working out for you? Um, so apparently I've, I didn't know, I think last time when, when you suggested this, I think I kind of got a little bit too happy because I looked, looked up the article, read the article and I was like, wait, this seems familiar. Um, <laughs> yeah, I felt like the same way too. It's like, I, I saw Zellicaston mentioned on Reddit mm-hmm. and I started reading up on that. I was like, wait, haven't I heard this word before? Right. And I was like, oh yeah, on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I didn't even remember until now that it was from Cortex that I heard it. I just knew that there was this weird <laughs> note taking system he was trying to mm-hmm. describe. And I was like, yeah, I, I was I, thoroughly <laughs> confused. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is for me <laughs> at first. <laughs> exactly. But my introduction to it, and, and it was never called uh, called uh, Zellicaston, but my introduction to it was from Ryan Holiday, who I had somehow came, came across his blog post, and it was something I was reading about notes, about taking better notes. And this is yeah, all going to circle it. back. So I was reading something about taking better notes, and unfortunately, I did not take a note about that. <laughs> and it led me to a post on Ryan Holiday about his writing books and how he takes notes from books. And he uses boxes and index cards. And he described his process, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I found the name of the article, just a quick interjection, is off of, like, off of Lifehacker. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's called I'm Ryan Holiday, and this is how I work. Yes, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Um, so it described that, and he got it from Robert Greene, uh, um, who was his mentor. And I was like, okay, this is interesting, because when I read books, I have a notes book notebook. I'm pretty proud of that. And I write my notes and everything in this. And so I was like, okay, why not a commonplace book? Because I uh, use... Yeah, okay. Right? I used to use commonplace book. Yep. <laughs> and I use a lot of sticky notes. Whenever I, I come across something, I write down a thought or a quote on a sticky note. And I stick them all over my desk until I can reconcile them elsewhere. And it either goes into Readwise, if it's a like book quote or idea, and then I tag it. Or I put it in my notes notebook if I uh, for my notes on reading a book. And so I started to use index cards for that. And I was like, okay, I like this. I get a little bit more room. Um, I can categorize them just as he was doing. And then I can write any additional thoughts I had from the quote, etc. And so I actually started doing that. I had gotten a box and a whole bunch of index cards and some um, uh, separators so I can uh, categorize them. And I started uh, reconciling whatever I had for sticky notes. Um, I'll be at work and I'll come across something or I hear something in an audiobook. I'll pause and I'll write down a quick idea um, or, or thought or quote on that thing. And I'll try to reconcile them back to an index card to use. So that's kind of been my introduction to it. Like I was kind of doing it, but not knowing I was doing the thing. And then I got the official name for the thing. Well, not the official name, but what many people call it, right? Um, that type of note-taking uh, system. And so with this, it kind of helps me. I added a few more things such as the ID system to it, uh, which I thought was pretty good. And it's it's interesting how for me discovering this is kind of circle back to looking up the thing about how to make better notes in which I came across the author of the book How to Take Smart Smart Notes, uh, Sonke Irons, and he the book is I think highly about Zellercasten. I watched one of I his. Take, really, I should check this out. Yeah. I'll- Everyone raves about that book, so I'm definitely going to check it out. I watched his lecture on how to take a smart notes uh, lecture that he gave, and it was about the Zellercasten method. And then it circled back into how I use Readwise to tag the particular information, which is the same as the index cards. I didn't think about Readwise being a version of Zellercasten until now. Yeah, for for your book quotes. Yeah. 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 We just all the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And it starts to make sense. And then when I restructured all of my digital tools to use the power method, which is uh, projects, areas, uh, resources, and archive, the resources portion of the power method is for quick notes and Wait, ideas. Is that para or power? Para, P A R A. I heard pa- I heard power in it. Just making sure for the listener. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> And so, and and the R is resources, and that's supposed to be quick ideas, quick links and stuff for you. And I was like, interesting. So I went back to look at that. And again, that was another thing of quick notes and ideas that I had logged, tagged, and had dates set to when I recorded that idea. And it was story ideas, it was research, it was a quick quote or a thought. So then like this had kind of circled back to me the whole second brain idea mm. um, that I've been trying to build and I've been doing it in disparate methods. Um, <laughs> but the primary method that I choose is the index cards because, again, mm. I'm analog. Um, mm. I prefer to do things in that fashion. And the reason why, before I give it back to you, is this is for my... Zettelkast a note that I took from uh, Sanke Aaron's um, lecture. And he said kind of about the other tools and digital methods. People were asking him, why don't you use this tool or that? 
And he was like, at some point it becomes more about storing information than developing thoughts. And that linked me back to all the research I did. And I had written not just as an article, but all the researching I did on writing is thinking and how the mediums that you choose and interface with, right, allow you to actually think. Writing is the process of thinking and restructuring and manipulating your thoughts in an external fashion. So I thought about that and and it kind of clicked of why I often go for the analog version because I can get obsessed like I did with this challenge and trying to tweak your software tools for uh, creating uh, ID systems and all this other jazz. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop talking and give it back to you. I know that was kind of uh, uh, a bit of a round the way, but that was kind of my journey with it Mm -hmm. of uh, rediscovery of this process, learning, I guess, the actual name of this process mm. that it's known by in the productivity world and all the bits and points of entry that I had into it and to build on top of it. Well, I guess in my experience, I've I've been struggling for, it feels like, my entire adult life and trying to find a good note, quick note-taking system specifically. Yeah. Uh, for like more thorough notes, I think Notion has been perfect for that. Like Notion is amazing for uh, organizing your thoughts. It's good for you can build some way databases with Notion. Uh, Notion is just a very powerful thing, but where its power lies is it's it's it, I consider it's a, like a paradox. It's so flexible to the point where it's not flexible anymore. <laughs> because you you could build whatever you want on Notion but you can't build a very uh, spur of the moment idea system on it. It just doesn't, it's just not compatible with it for some reason. Uh, I don't know if it's a thing the developers do or just, it's just the system in general. I think that it might be possible for them to implement as a little casting thing, but I just think that it's just not how they're structured. But uh, the idea behind notion is like your own, it's your own personal wiki mm-hmm. is how it's best described. And I've been using notion for two over two years now. I think it's probably the best note-taking app I've, or the best idea organizing app I've ever used. I also use it for uh, writing down my weekly plans and, mo- and monthly reviews, which actually I'll be doing after this. But if, if an idea ever came to me, I was always like, where do I put this thing? I've tried Evernote. I've tried OneNote. I've tried making my own quick notes shortcut on, on uh, Notion. I tried so many different things but nothing seemed to work the way I wanted it to work. And the the decision to choose Zellicasting was kind of like done on a whim. We have like this long list of things that we wanted to try out on the Productivity Lab. And it was one of the newer entries we had on it. And we're like, hey, just try this thing out. I actually kind of said it without realizing that was mentioned on, without, without realizing it was mentioned in Cortex recently. So maybe I was drawn to it for that reason, but it wasn't the reason why I picked it. So I... I was really excited to try this challenge out. I was like, finally, a quick note system I could try out. And I think that there's huge benefits to paper for quick notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem has always been with it is that uh, paper could always disappear and get ruined or lost somewhere. There's no backups for it. So I started out this challenge with the index system. I was doing the index cards with uh, unique IDs onto them, which were based off the dates so that you can like quickly sort them by dates. The idea, my typical structure for a note card, I'd have the name of the project idea like that's tied to on the top and then right next to it, I'd have a ID that was the last two digits of the year followed by the, the digits of the month followed by the date, uh, the digits of the day and then a hyphen followed by uh, the hour on a 24 hour clock followed by the minutes, and then I'd just, if I wanted to, I could do seconds, but typically I didn't. And that's like how I, how I organize everything, and it's been great. I, I, I have a stack of note cards next to my, uh, or on my end table now, so if I have any ideas in the middle of the night, I could like write down, and like write down the quick idea about what time I had the idea, at, and then toss them away. But they always had the issue of being paper for me. Luckily, Zellicasting is on the rise right now. If you're investing into note-taking stocks, I'd, I'd invest into Zellicasting right now. 
because there's two uh, emerging players into the digital zettelkasten landscape. Those are Obsidian and Rome Research. They are both Zellicaston-esque uh, digital systems. They both are fairly new. You could tell that they're new because they both do not have mobile apps yet. Uh, usually mobile apps to me is like a sign of like maturity for a, a uh, web-based app like uh, Rome Research or a local app like Obsidian. And Obsidian, as I understand from listening to Cortex, started out as a, as a pandemic project for, from these two friends. And it's quickly grown. Like it's kind of taken the productivity space. I can't say by storm, but it's definitely a a uh, a raging fire. Some in the note taking portion of the productivity space. It has a pretty strong following, uh, and everything. And Obsidian, uh, they store all of your notes locally, which I then I store all my notes on uh, on Google Drive as markdown text files. And you could link notes together by pulling parentheses or brackets, square brackets around uh, each entry, or not each entry, but like like each uh, each keyword in your document. And what you could do with Obsidian is you could then uh, see how many notes are called back to each other, and you could even uh, have a graphic showing a web of like of how all of them are interconnected which to me is what I want in this note-taking system. It's a quick note system that also self-organizes, which is like what I've been looking for. So I was really excited about Obsidian. Uh, unfortunately, they do not have a mobile app yet, but they do plan on building one for both iOS and Android, which I'm excited about. Uh, for So for the meantime, I've been using a, a, free markdown, a free markdown editor app on my phone that I could use to access to Google Drive and I could just upload notes that way. I can't see how they're connected down there, but uh, that doesn't really mean that much to me. Just I could get, I could write it down, get out of the way and then get to my computer layer and see how things are connected. And I'm really loving this so far. I've had a lot of ideas for stories, especially since I'm working on this uh, novella project. I have uh, had, had a lot of ideas come to my way for various uh moments of the story. So I just thought I could write that down, write them down in the app and get back to Obsidian on my computer. And I have each of them are given as Edel cast an ID. And I could just organize them by the uh the time of the ID. And I could figure out from there what uh what I thought about when and go through my notes. It's it's been great. I can't I can't get past like how good I've been enjoying this right now. The only thing it's missing is a mobile app. <laughs> but, uh but yeah I've been using note cards in the sense then for writing down ideas when my phone's not near me or if like the idea kind of like, uh, like using the phone's kind of awkward. So uh, using paper just nice to write down first to kind of get off my head and then review the note card layer. I've been pulling it in a Tupperware container I have that's about note card size and using that as my main box. And then I've been backing up online and it's been... Quite the experience. I I uh, I would highly recommend apps like Obsidian, and I wouldn't recommend Rome. Uh, so first of all, Obsidian it's free. You could pay for Obsidian Sync to sync between devices. I think it's like four dollars a month. Uh, but Obsidian's free for standard users. But Rome has the absurdly high price tag of fifteen dollars a month, which I cannot justify. It might be a more powerful app, but I can't justify fifteen dollars a month. The full name is Rome Research, so I guess that they're more. They're more of an enterprisal program than a casual program. So they aren't really made for the average productivity person out there. But if you are like self-employed, it might be good. But Obsidian has been a good free thing that has a local backups. So that way, if you if they ever go under, you could still have all of your notes as markdown text files, which is a nice thing. But that's been my experience with it. I've been really enjoying this kind of quick note system that self-organizes, which to me is what I've been looking for this whole time. Notion doesn't do it. There's ways to make Notion work as a as a um, self-organizing uh, quick note app, but it requires like a lot of tags and stuff, which I, I didn't have the patience for. So this one is much easier, in my opinion. But yeah, that's uh, the gist of my experience. So I kind of want to add on to that uh, with yours about 
the workflow, right? So obviously the the index cards, I I prefer uh, paper. So even if I have notes on things, um, I pull those out when I'm doing a planning session or when I'm starting to write because I like to, I don't know, touching the index cards where I have notes about stories or dialogue quotes that came to me, etc. It's there's just something about it, but. Um, as I mentioned, like if I'm reading books or uh, anything, those all get put into Readwise as well for me to digitally back them up, if you will, or tag them. So whenever I write something on Notecard, um, I do go back and before I like file it in the box, I then, you know, add that to Readwise and organize it in there so that I can have a digital version. And then what? So can you add your own notes to Readwise? Yeah. I didn't know this. Okay. I created my own book, if you will, and whatever my own like story ideas or thoughts or dialogue that come in, um, I add that as an entry in my book. (laughs) Interesting. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Um, And then so I can tag it and then, uh, there's other tools that I use on like hypothesis when I'm reading online to highlight articles and stuff like that. So it's integrated with most everything that I used to read. So hypothesis, if I'm reading uh, random articles online, I like a quote or something like that. Um, I can highlight that, make a note and then tag it with uh, what it's about. And that gets synchronized to Readwise. Uh, same if I'm reading Medium, I highlight that. Whatever highlights I make in Medium gets synchronized. Whatever highlights I make in Pocket gets synchronized to Readwise. Then Readwise synchronizes to Notion. Mm, yeah, it does. So, yeah, you're right. So they're all in Notion for me. Now for me, how that then works is uh, re- uh, Notion has backlink features and stuff like mm. that. So... What I did for my resources page or whatever, if I have something that comes in, yes, you have tags and all the database and you can filter and search on all that stuff. Um, For me, it was pretty easy to then link those ideas and or quotes and things together because of the tagging and backlinking that I can. This is so fascinating. This is really good. (laughs) And I mean, I'm. There's yeah. there's a video and there's a link that I'll share. I haven't shared it with you, Kyle, but I'll uh, link yeah, it to the like show to notes. Yeah. Um, there's um, she did a um, deep uh, analysis of how she uses uh, Zettelkasten in Notion and setup, and it counts like all the rollups of all the links. It does a count. To show like which which was the parent, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just just uh, just a quick heads up. Uh, I just typed into DuckDuckGo how to use Readwise for notes, and your article how to use Readwise popped up number two. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that, Mark. Ah. <laughs> uh. Look at the SEO you got going on. Yeah, that's awesome. And I didn't even try. Um, <laughs> um, so I'll share this and I'll share an example of it. It's from the YouTuber Red Gregory that I found because I wanted to see how people were using it. So uh, Red goes in pretty detail about uh, their setup on Zettelkast and Notion. So for me, even though all of the links in, uh, to, uh, links in for me, I can then, you know, intersperse with backlinks or whatever to whatever area that I need in Notion. And if I create a research document or if I create a, a you know, long form documentation, it's easier for me to pull in like everything that I need for this particular tag or this particular idea. Um, it was easier for me to create a custom ID because my bookshelf that I've made public has the formula for the custom ID to take to mash together several fields and the date timestamp. And so I do the same thing 
with any notes and stuff that I make within within Notion. It's hard for me to explain without walking it through, but yeah. I was I was able to kind of find a way um, to keep Readwise as that central hub to synchronize this. Everything that I'm pulling from online uh, to read. Uh, from any, you know, quotes or things that I pull from books, whether it's taking pictures or notes. I have the physical form and the index cards, which I do prefer and go to to use itself, especially when I'm referring back to something. I pull those out and then maybe I make a new note or add a new note to it. But I also do have the backup in the digital space in using Rewise and Notion as that centerpiece for me for, for digital items to take notes, to tag, to expand, to link to, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it, it, I do think even with this process, because again, like I mentioned, Ryan holiday, he's had his own freakouts about potentially losing a box of index cards that he's currently yeah. writing a book for. <laughs> yeah, And I'm yep. like, that would destroy me. If I have a literal box of index cards, like a couple hundred or a hundred index, you know, a couple hundred actually for a single book and I lose it, I'm like all my research is gone. All my progress, my notes, my thoughts, everything that I've I've collected to write this book about is gone. So I definitely agree with you. Like there is something about having a, a digital backup, if you will. Um, even though I, I prefer the analog, um, I do have a digital backup and, and I use Readwise and Notion uh, for that in particular. I'm just looking at this Readwise thing right now. This is so crazy. I just added my own quote. There's this test on it, but that's cool. Wow. And the good thing about Rewise is that because it cycles through everything, well, you can tell it what not to, what books not to rec- yeah. uh, cycle to yeah. you. I get my own quotes or ideas and then I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And then I may end up editing it or adding a new one or or something like that. So it's pretty nice to have even your own thoughts or ideas or quotes about things. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. Come back to you. Well, we should have a special episode just on how to use, how Mark uses Readwise. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, this is fascinating. This is opening up so many doors to me. You show me Readwise and now you show me the way of Readwise. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I try to get every use out of I love Readwise and I try to get every single use out of it. And just the I mean, they even have an audio version or an integration to with a I, I, I can't think of the the podcast software where the podcast software allows you to clip audio and it can synchronize that that text. Oh, to read wise. Oh, wow. Yes. No idea. Yes. Um, there's another browser that I was testing called Command, but I found that Safari on my phone, I can uh, share to read wise. So if I select text while browsing on my phone, I can share that to read wise. Wow. Okay. There's so much, so much you can do with read wise. I bought the, the lower plan, but maybe it'd be worth inviting or inviting. I just read the dialing box to invite friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It might be worth uh, trying out the uh, the other one. So yeah, that's that's how I center the digital side of my Zettelkasten, but of collecting and synchronizing the information. Uh, Readwise is that engine for me. If I lose that, then then I lose so much of how I capture info. But um, Zettelkast. Or, or Readwise is that engine for me, the digital engine, mm. and and I still use um, Notion as the the digital the archive or a coalescing of that information because that's where yeah. everything else is. So I'm going to be honest with this right now. I'm deliberate, or not deliberately. I I've been deliberately avoiding Notion YouTube and Notion Reddit for a while. Uh-huh. Because this notion is so powerful that I feel like if I were to look at these videos, I become in, like immediately intimidated <laughs> by everything. So if I ever see anything like I subscribe to some, actually I don't. I I listen to a lot of productivity podcasts, but I can't subscribe to productivity YouTube because I will get overwhelmed so easily. So like, yeah, especially yeah. the notion YouTube notion. 
is such a has such a strong following mm-hmm. that it like I'm just like I don't even I I don't want to like feel like I need to nuke everything once a week on my Notion <laughs> setups. Oh yeah, because the last info I gave you was about the whole dashboard setup and everything, right? Yeah. 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 I recently redid my dashboard. I just kind of basically cleaned it up from what it used to be. But I, I, I did a complete overhaul on my goal page. Thanks to Mark for a better idea though, which I, but I just get, there's so many things you could do with that. I'm just like, I don't even want to know. <laughs> so, yeah. As a, as somebody who loves listening to productivity podcasts and like loves to read the articles on productivity, I steer strong, strongly away from productivity YouTube especially Notion YouTube is it, well, it's a rabbit hole that I feel like that'll just cause me to nuke everything once a week. (laughs) (laughs) I I can see that. Like, um, when, for, for the video that I, that I sent about Zettelcasting and Notion, that was just one example. There was another video I watched. It wasn't really too detailed actually. Uh, but this one was like super detailed. But the thing was, is I was, when I watched it, I was like, Oh, I already have some of these things in other areas that I use within Notion, like for my bookshelf and and all this stuff. And it's like, oh, well, let me copy the formula that I wrote here and tweak some things and place it here. Yeah. And that and so that's kind of the quote I had earlier is that I was getting obsessed with how I was storing the information. (laughs) rather than developing the thoughts, right? So I can certainly get into the whole constant tweaking of it and figuring it out and playing with it, reading how to write this formula. What can you do with this formula? How can I convert this to epoch time? How can I, you know, it it, it goes down a path. But I know Epoch Times is like a Unix thing or something, but yeah. I, I unfortunately associate with the with the with the online publication that's like known for Oh Epoch being, Times. Yeah. Yeah. When you said that I was like, what? What? <laughs> no, I, yeah, I meant the the, the yeah. Unix timestamp. Yeah, I just I'm clarifying it. <laughs> it's like I know what you mean, but my brain just has a trigger right there. <laughs> well, I might upgrade to Readwise uh full after this talking and watching this, like I, I think I might support Obsidian. Lazy Dick a one-time supporting payment because yeah. I think it's good to support ecosystems. But Readwise always has an Android app and it always syncs with Notion, the, my primary hub for everything. Yeah, I think you just unlocked a new oh. area. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's we've been rambling a lot about this Readwise Notion thing for a while. Let's get to the review. The review. <laughs> So uh, for for the review, I feel like I'm still starting this challenge was cut. Like I mentioned in my earlier ramble, it was a bit of a revelation for me as I didn't know the thing that I was doing. Then there was this escaping thought that I mentioned earlier that I was reading something about taking better notes and the method seemed so good. But I read the article and I was like, yeah, okay. I think I'll remember that or I'll, when I take notes, I'll take them in this manner and I'll just do better at it. But I forgot it and I can never find the article. I can never find anything until this challenge in which it turned out to be how to take smart notes <laughs> by Sanke Irons, who heavily relies on the Zettelkasten method. <laughs> so it's been a, this whole circular thing for me in which I've been dipping my toes into it, expanding, expanding, expanding. I I think there's so much room to grow. So it's kind of like I'm hedging myself on the rating. So I'm going to give it a four out of five. Hmm. And the reason why is because even in this challenge, like even when I was doing a minor version of the note-taking uh, and I was really enjoying it. I like it. I'm finding that it's really helping me piece together different ideas because then, you know, when I get to whatever and producing whatever output, now the quality of the output is, is leads to question some things, but, um, and producing that it's been 
helping me immensely better than my method before, because now I, I can think and I can sit on these things and I can write it out. And then when I'm ready for it, I pull all of these things together. When I actually do my writing, uh, nonfiction stuff, at least I use Ulysses and I dump this all into my a material sheet is what they call it. It's like a big note, just an empty document. And I pile all my notes, all my research, all my links and, and I have all my cards with me and then I can just start outlining or writing my thing, things that I liked, et cetera. So it's really improved the way that I've taken notes. It's really improved the way that I've ingested information from mm. varying sources. And it's really kind of helped solidify the my app environment, the tools that I'm using. But I know that there's so much more to go to get to that five. So it's really a high, high four because it's so good. But I'm just now reaching. I'm just now like the tip of the iceberg with it. I feel I feel the same way, too. So I'm like, it's not perfect yet. There's 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 a huge gap between that four and five. But there's even an even larger gap between that three and four. I know that's so weird. I'm not making any sense, but it, it's really <laughs> it's good. It's what works over you. It's a, yeah, yeah. It's like a, yeah. Well, in my case, I feel like that I'm stuck in the honeymoon phase of this whole thing. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> uh I feel like I'm going to give this thing a five out of five just because I think it answers my question of how to, what's the best way to take quick notes. Yeah. And I've been struggling with this thing for a long while. And I like the idea, even the physical note system, I like a lot with the note cards because... I never really liked notebooks that much because I always had a hard time of turning back to old pages that I already wrote down. Mm-hmm. Of course, I did common, I've done commonplace notebooks before where you kind of like use it as like an idea dump and you have a semi-randomized index where you just kind of sort it by uh, the first letter of the topic you're looking for followed by the first vowel of the topic that you're looking for. Uh, it's a way to save on space in the back of the book. I think it's a really cool system to do that, but I just always had the issue. Like I write it down and I just never open up the notebook again. So this way, having a a Tupperware container full of index cards in front of me makes it easier to go back and just like just kind of pull it out and see what I could find. Right now it's a small notes system because like I only have so many notes right now in two weeks. Uh, but it's been a great, uh, I don't know, it just kind of feels like it answers a lot of my prayers. It's not perfect yet. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as you were saying, like I can't find the right app, but this notion <laughs> and Readwise integration might change everything. Uh, although I'll say a quick thing: I'm on the Readwise Light plan, but there was a glitch where it gave me Notion syncing, which is for the premium plan. So I don't know what happened, but I'm paying for like twenty dollars less for uh, the uh, Notion syncing. So I'm happy with that glitch, but I will happily support the ecosystem and companies that I like and upgrade the plan if this is what's needed. Just like I plan on supporting Obsidian uh, with their one-time uh, supporting fund. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to give it 5 out of 5. I think it answers a lot of my prayers. It's definitely not perfect, but it's in the right direction. So I think we feel the same way about this whole thing. Like yeah. It has a lot of flexibility, but it is just the tip of the iceberg. This community, as I learned, is really big. So uh, yeah, uh, it's a whole new area that productivity uh sphere of the internet that I never even thought about going to or never knew existed. And yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. We didn't even talk about like, we jumped right. We didn't even talk about like the most recent famous person for this. Oh, Niklas Luhmann. Don't know him. Um, So he, he's, um, was researcher, um, philosopher. Uh, He has over 600 publications including over 60 books using the Zettelkasta method. <laughs> okay. I uh, link to that if you have any like overview on him whenever you at this episode. Um, yes, Mark. I would definitely link to that. Um, and I think they've also like even he had so many notes that they were still publishing books after his death from all the notes wow. and things that he <laughs> had taken. So I definitely will link to that. Um, and I think they've uh, made his notes also online so you can see in examples of at least how he's um, used that that process. So, yeah, it's um, a lot to unpack in yeah. this, I'm finding. 
um, a whole new a whole new world exists in the productivity sphere and how yeah. it's actually helping me. Oh man, yeah, dipping into it has really even when I didn't know it was shadow casting, the process dipping into it has really really been helping me with writing mm. and it's been so good so yeah all awesome. right well let's uh, get on to our next topic mm-hmm. uh we're going to do a more of a lifestyle one saying that mark and i have been uh doing it since the pandemic began that we thought that would be good to talk about which is different workstations so say for example you work on your day job and on your dining room table but when you're going your side projects you can't just associate your dining room table with your uh, uh, with your side projects, it's kind of a weird mental barrier that your brain sets up. So it you you might consider it's good to work on your dining room table. It has everything you need. It has a you know flat space uh, for your laptop and maybe monitor if you have one there. It has a chair and all that stuff. But you you just can't seem to like get the creative energy needed to like write or edit a podcast. Uh, what's the best solution to that? Well, uh, Mark and I have uh, been playing around with the idea of working in different locations for our side projects, uh, which we'll get more into detail in two weeks. But in the meantime, you can find this show, The Productivity Lab, at theproductivitylab.show or tpl.show for short. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Productive Lab. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at KyleSQ9, where I mostly just post pictures of my dogs. And even then I post those pictures like once every three months apart. Uh, I, I don't really think a lot of photos are worth posting online. But <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter, where I go through phases of trying to be more active and phases of just trying to get out of my life. I'm currently on an upswing trying to get more active on it again. Uh, that's at KyleSQ9. And where can people find you, Mark? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram where I'm trying to, I don't know, be more insightful, I guess. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at AskMarkio. That is AskMarkio. You can find my writings such as one that was referenced in this very episode, How I Use Readwise, yeah. at my blog, AskMark.io. Oh, yeah, I forgot to plug in my blog, too. You could find all my writings, mostly fiction, over at quadrant9.net, where I publish underneath my pen name, Jonathan K. Webb. In the meantime, stay productive. Another episode down. An hour of recording, plus like seven minutes at the beginning of flubbing it. So that's good.